The Red Devil of Detroit Angels and demons, that which stems from beyond, catering to our fears and horrific beliefs, are all too real for me. While I'm not entirely sure about angels, I do know that devils, in particular the likes of the Red Devil of Detroit, do in fact exist. My name is Timothy Matthews, a young, handsome, so my wife tells me, family man. At one point, the White House claimed I would be the next up-and-coming politician. I worked my way up through the ranks, eventually running a swift and successful campaign for U.S. Congress, representing the great state of Michigan. Yet something went horribly wrong. All due to that cursed red devil, the Nain Rouge. It was only weeks into my campaign, yet I could sense the momentum swinging in my direction. The competition was next to nothing. Even though I battled a long-time incumbent congressman, rooted deeply in the trenches of government with his fourth term on the horizon, it seemed that the town of Detroit, along with the rest of Michigan, readied themselves for change. Everyone except for the Red Devil, that is. My downfall began at that fateful party sponsored by a local NRA group. No, it had nothing to do with guns and someone going postal. Most of the engagement went smoothly, with lots of informal speeches and informal toasting. It wasn't until the end that I noticed the odd goth woman slamming numerous glasses of champagne like water on a hot summer day. She stood out from everyone else's tuxedos and formal gowns. She wore a short black leather skirt, showing off a multitude of slithering tattoos that wound down her legs. A black t-shirt with the words, Freedom Sucks across her chest, and a matching leather jacket which seemed several sizes too small. Her hair had to be a wig, sprouting plastic red fluorescent strands spiked in every direction. Her complexion was white, almost ghost-like, except for the purple lipstick and matching eyeliner. Oh, did I mention the black cat gliding in and around her legs? The last thing I should have done was visit with her. There would be pictures taken, and I'd be on the front cover of all nationally inquisitive magazines wondering why we were together. Yet I had no choice. Something compelled me to see her, for better or for worse. Little did I know how worse it could be. Got a light, she said as she pulled out a neatly rolled cigarette. No filter smiling slightly. I smiled back. You know there's no smoking. She patted the end of the cigarette on the lapel of my tux, smiling deeper now. Yeah? But who cares? I laughed, intrigued by her. Probably in her twenties? But she seemed to have the ambiance and demeanor of someone decades older. I nodded and then asked, So, are you my number one fan? <laughs> Hardly, she quickly replied while twirling the unlit cigarette in her fingers. She reached down and gently pet the cat, then stood up briskly and leaned closer to me. But I'm here to help. Then she reached up and yanked on my bow tie, bringing me uncomfortably close. She whispered, I'm here to save you. I pushed her gently back, trying to control my composure in front of the crowd. Excuse me? 
I said somewhat harshly. She licked the cigarette, then popped it in her mouth and flung her head back, nearly sending her brilliant red wig to the floor. She turned back to me, her joking and relaxed expression void. With blinking, seriously green eyes, she said, It's more of a warning. My smile dropped, replaced by a chiseled and puckered face. Get out! Before I could react, she grabbed my hand, her palm against mine, and an explosion of painful visions began to dance through my head. At first, I was too numb to comprehend what had happened. It felt like an electrical storm had been unleashed into my head. Explosions and crackling emanated across my landscape, sending my senses into overdrive. When things finally cleared, I found myself viewing a man strapped tightly into a straitjacket surrounded by white padded walls. The man looked terrified, frantic at the world around him, always looking over his shoulder and screaming at nothing. I felt pity for this man, until I realized who it was. It was me! With sweat dripping down my forehead, I turned around the room searching for the young goth lady, but could find her nowhere. I asked several at the party, yet no one acknowledged her existence. Furthermore, they worried about my onslaught of craziness bantering to some imaginary person in the room. I wondered if perhaps this is what happened when one lost his mind. Still, the only proof, for me at least, that I hadn't become totally senseless was the black cat, which slowly sauntered between the legs of those in the room, all the while looking at me with a slender smile and beady red eyes. That night, while in bed still shaken from the visions, I told my wife about the experience, trying desperately to laugh it off. She tried to, explaining it as bad truffle or foul liver pate or pungent glasses of champagne. You're right, I said while reaching over to stroke her back as she faced away from me. Of course I'm right, she said, turning toward me. I leaned closer for a kiss. However, the face that greeted me was like nothing I'd ever seen before. Her skin had been replaced by a matted crimson red fur. Her nose had become pushed inward and blackened like that of a cat. Her teeth were like tiny razor-sharp daggers colored in different shades of brown. But it was the eyes that I feared the most. Beady red glowing like tiny pools of phosphorus blood. I pushed back fiercely from the creature that was once my wife who now puckered profusely with its blackened, crusty lips and yelled, Kiss me! I screamed and began punching the creature, not believing this was happening. Yet there it was, in all of its wretchedness, a sour-smelling beast covered in thick, matted red fur. Anger filled my heart. How could this have taken my wife? Where was she? Did it eat her? I continued my assault, fueled by hatred, but my beating did little to thwart the little creature's advances. The creature cackled loudly, all the while reaching at me, scratching and clawing. It couldn't have been any taller than four feet. It maybe weighed 90 pounds, yet its power was immense. What's the matter, Timothy? Don't you like me? It cackled again, then opened its mouth wider than I thought possible, sending a streaming of plump, juicy maggots in my direction and across the bed. I swatted and scraped away the worms, only to find the creature had disappeared replaced by my wife once again, who was now shrieking in terror with her face bloodied beyond recognition. Timothy! She screamed, pulling herself out of bed. I screamed in horror seeing what I had done to my wife. Yet it hadn't been my wife. That much I was sure of. I had dialed for an ambulance, which showed up much later than needed. The police arrived sooner and were very interested in my story. They didn't believe me, of course. 
It was much too fantastical for anyone to believe, so I spent the night in jail for the first time ever. While my wife chose not to press charges, the damage had already been done. Over the next several days, I spent less time complaining about my experience with the Nain Rouge and more time defending what had happened. Nobody believed me. As the rumor mill spun away, my numbers in the polls plummeted. I began to question whether the Nain Rouge did in fact appear as my wife. Were the legends of Detroit's Red Devil true? Or perhaps I was simply going mad? Only time would tell. Thankfully, the next few weeks went by without any sign of the Nain Rouge. Of course, my plans for being a politician were all but ruined. The only thing that saved me was that the other running candidate had his own dark past. Leaks of tax evasion, a secret mistress, and phone recordings of racial slurs surfaced, making it difficult for the guy to get anywhere. So with only one week before the election, I had managed to pull a full ten points ahead of him. My only concern had to do with the Red Devil. Would he appear to me again? While my belief in the creature dwindled, having chalked up my bad behavior in bed to more of a temporary mental imbalance, I figured it couldn't hurt to do some research on the beastly legend. Just in case, I suppose. It turns out the Red Devil of Detroit has been seen by numerous people over the past century, and never with glad tidings. Bad things always happened to those he visited, which now may have included me. I just hoped my run-in with the red furry dwarf had completed its course, although I wished even more that I'd imagined the entire event. As luck would have it, the Nain Rouge did appear again. It was the last day before elections, and proved to also be the last day of my known normal life. A press conference had been scheduled with the mayor to address the recent urban uprising. Those living within the slums of the inner city were revolting, sending Molotov cocktails through storefront windows, drive-by shootings in the wealthier neighborhoods, and countless buildings falling prey to the hands of arsonists. The mayor read a prepared statement covering the last few days of the urban assault on Chicago. He then did his best to quell the media frenzy unfolding, answering questions like any seasoned politician. Because we had been good friends since college, he invited me to the press conference, allowing me an opportunity to speak about the rioting and hopefully bumping my points in the poll to a safe and secure level. The mob of reporters all began asking questions of me, but I pointed to the journalist pre-selected by the mayor, answering his pre-planned questions smoothly. I selected questions from the next appointed journalist, answering his questions prim and proper. But then a slew of unrehearsed questions came from the back. They were too loud to ignore, as if the journalist spoke through a megaphone. I tried to remain calm, smiling and smooth, talking as best as I could, but then I saw who was asking the questions. It was the Nain Rouge. You! I screamed, ready to jump off the stage and attack the tiny red dwarf. Excuse me? replied the Nain Rouge, looking confused. Him! I yelled, pointing at the little red devil. He's the one that hurt my wife! Everyone around the Nain Rouge looked perplexed. Something told me I was the only one seeing the creature in its true form. The Nain Rouge cleared its throat and asked, So, Timothy, is it true you believe in the Red Devil of Detroit? The beast laughed and added, Surely you can't accept such legends as truth. <laughs> His lips curled outward, teeth clenched, sending a sadistic smile my way. I stood my ground, responding with a controlled smile. 
Of course not. There's no such thing as the Red Devil. I looked the beast in the eyes and asked, And what was your name again? The Red Devil, now beaming with satisfaction, replied, You can call me Mr. Red. He then pushed his way through the crowd, the reporters magically parting like Moses in the Red Sea. The Nain Rouge stood firmly in front of me and asked one more question. So, Timothy, what's it like to be a wife beater? That's when I lost it. Looking back on the event, I should have had no problem controlling myself. I believe my emotions went into overdrive, fueled by the evil power surrounding the Nain Rouge. All I remember is leaping at the beast, dropping him to the ground and pounding and tearing through him. As the police pulled me off him and placed handcuffs on me, I looked back at the Red Devil, who had disappeared, replaced by a bloody reporter with an obviously twisted neck. The following are excerpts from the notes of the resident psychologist at St. Bernard's Hospital, Psychiatric Ward. Patient Timothy Matthews' initial assessment is serious at best. He is uncooperative and extremely hostile, resorting typically to being strapped to his bed. We'll monitor progress to determine psychosis and potential treatment options. Patient Timothy Matthews' condition has become severe. Treatment with drugs and therapy have been inconclusive. He continues to speak about seeing a little red furry dwarf, known in legends as the Red Devil of Detroit, or the Nain Rouge. Mr. Matthews spends most of his time in solitary confinement, eats little food, and is virtually impossible to communicate with. Patient Timothy Matthews. Final entry. Patient has taken his own life, hung by a strap from his straitjacket. It seems impossible for him to undo a single strap, let alone hang himself. Furthermore, reviewing surveillance tapes show something unusual at the time of his death. While the video quality is poor, a reddish blur can be seen flickering in and out of his cell, as if something is in there with him. Investigation is pending. That foul play is not being ruled out, although I'm not sure how anyone could have gotten into the locked cell, not to mention who would have the motive. And here's some history. For anyone from Detroit or other parts in and around Michigan, the Red Devil of Detroit is most likely no stranger. Also known as the Nain Rouge, legend has it that when the creature appears, something terrible is to come. There are many variations of the story, depending on the book, author, or timing of publication. One of the oldest versions of the Nain Rouge came from the book Legends of Detroit, published in 1883. The story back then went as such. It was the year 1701, in Quebec, now known as St. Louis, and a gathering of celebration was in place in honor of Antoine de la Marque Cadillac, who would soon become the founder of Detroit. At one point during the story, a fortune teller with palm reading skills appeared with a large black cat perched on her shoulder. Many palms were red, amazing those around her, and eventually she came upon Antoine Cadillac. The fortune teller impressed Mr. Cadillac with her ability to tell the future. Most importantly, she told him about founding a great city. Cadillac was excited, impressed her for more information. But the fortune teller turned grim and responded, In years to come, your colony will be the scene of strife and bloodshed. Indians will be treacherous. The hated English will struggle for possession. But under a new flag, it will reach a height of prosperity. 
which you never in your wildest dreams could picture. Cadillac's expression saddened, yet the fortune teller continued, Beware of undue ambition. It will mar all your plans. Appease the Nain Rouge. Beware of offending him. Should you be thus unfortunate, not a vestige of your inheritance will be given to your heirs. Cadillac scoffed at her announcement of his bleak and unfortunate future, thinking her as just another carnival act. Yet years later, the fortune teller's words seemed to take shape. While walking with his wife, they heard two men complaining about their city, Detroit. Things cannot run very long thus. My wife saw a few days ago La Petite Rouge. Cadillac's wife immediately became startled as she knew La Petite Rouge was in fact the Nain Rouge that the fortune teller had mentioned years before. Cadillac ignored his wife's comment, up until an ugly-looking, dwarf-like creature crossed their path. It smiled at them with a sharp-toothed grin. Cadillac, annoyed with the creature stepping in front of them, struck it with his cane, telling it to go away. The red-colored dwarf laughed at Cadillac before it turned and hobbled away. After that confrontation... Cadillac's life turned sour, and everything the fortune teller told him about his doomed future started to become true. His luck went dry. His children inherited nothing of his once great fortune, fortifying the legend of the Nain Rouge, that the Red Devil of Detroit is a harbinger of doom. Other Red Devil of Detroit sightings include, on July 30th of 1763, a red dwarf was said to have appeared near the Detroit River. That very next day, the Battle of Bloody Run occurred, with Chief Pontiac of the Ottawa tribe killing over 60 British soldiers. In 1805, Nain Rouge was spotted wandering through the streets of Detroit. Then, shortly afterward, a horrific fire swept through the town, burning most everything in its path. In 1813, General William Hull the only officer in history to be sentenced to death for military incompetence, claims to have seen the Red Devil of Detroit grinning at him when he surrendered Detroit to the British Army. It's been reported that the Nain Rouge has been spotted during the Long Riots of 1967. On March 1, 1976, two utility workers spotted the Nain Rouge climbing a utility pole. Soon after that, one of the worst ice storms Detroit had ever experienced hit that was the last known reported sighting of the Red Devil in Detroit. As you can see, the Nain Rouge is no stranger to Detroit, which means you may want to keep your eye out for any small devil-like creatures wandering around late at night. And if you do see him, avoid all eye contact and hope that he does not see you. These poems and stories were narrated by Jennifer Ann Scott. Please visit witchvoice.com, and if you'd like to support this podcast and gain access to additional recordings, including a patron-only podcast, please visit patreon.com forward slash whispers of a witch. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at The Witch Voice. Until next time, stay wicked. <laughs>